This is episode 12 of the Online Course Guy podcast. I am Jacques Hopkins, the Online Course Guy, and this is the show where we show you how to turn your hobby or passion into a profitable online course. I was able to do just that with the piano, and now after being an engineer for eight years, I'm proud to say I support my family with the income from my online piano course. I'm also joined today as usual by Nate Dodson, who is hard at work on his own online course. Hey, Nate. How's it going, Jacques? Man, it's going good. Uh, really, really look forward to these podcast episodes e- each week. So, um, so I'm, everything's going really well. Awesome. And today, uh, episode 12, we're going to be focused on landing page optimization, website optimization, building websites, building landing pages, things like that. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. Awesome. Well, b- before we get into that, why don't you tell us about how you and your business have been doing the past week? Pretty good. Um... I have been, I've had a ton of people finish going through my funnel, a big crowd of people going through my funnel, and I've been getting just inundated with email responses for my email, why why can't you buy or why don't you want to buy? And I've just, I've probably got like 400 of those. So (laughs) I, it was insane. I could not believe it. Um, So I just deleted a lot of the stupid ones and then i've been replying to a ton of them too and i finally got those all cleared out yesterday all right so let's let's give some context here maybe maybe somebody's listening to this episode for the first time so briefly what what is your online course about my online course is about growing and selling microgreens well said well said and so the the specific email you're talking about is that after people have had the ability to buy you send an email saying hey just curious if you could give me any feedback why you didn't sign up and you're saying, you, you know, you sent that to, I think, somewhere between four and 5,000 people and you had 400 responses to that? Probably close to that. I didn't count them, but it was just page after. It was like four or five pages, probably. I don't know how much that would be. Man, so that is fantastic. I mean, it stinks that you have to go through all that and respond to the majority of them and whatnot. Yeah. But the fact that people... Even people that didn't sign up for your take up your offer are are that responsive. I mean, we're talking about a ten percent response rate. Yeah, it was really it was a really high engagement email. That's for sure. I imagine it delivers fairly high too because it doesn't have a lot of HTML and weird stuff in it as well. Right, it doesn't have any links or pictures or anything. Probably lands in people's primary inbox more than almost any of my other emails. And and that's um that's to be expected. I get. A lot of responses to that email, maybe more so than any other email I send. And that may be the reason. It may be a the highest delivered email as well. Um, but I really enjoy looking at the reasons that people didn't sign up. I think ha- on my end, because I send that email too, based on uh, I implemented that after you started doing it. And half the responses I get are like, yeah, it was just too much money. Yeah, And that's fine because now I just respond to those people Hey, well, you know, I don't totally understand that. I've really tried hard to um, to make it affordable for a lot of people, especially when you compare it to the cost of normal piano lessons. And uh, but in the meantime, I really hope you'll take advantage of my, you know, the free stuff that I offered. And maybe in six months, when this comes around again, you can't afford it for that. So I'm really nurturing people for the next time, and I'm, I'm sure you're either doing that or plan to do that as well. Absolutely. I could I could hear your uh your ice jiggling around your cup. Man, I love coffee. I love <laughs> iced coffee and I'm going to try to keep that 
further away from my microphone <laughs> for the listener. So thanks for letting me know. There you go. Yeah, it, it, it is. That's the same way with me. About half the people, it's it's financial reasons. They couldn't afford the course. About 10% of the people tell me I suck and I've been spamming them. <laughs> and then the rest is kind of a mixture. Some people just kind of got going on their own and, you know, they're doing fairly well. They don't feel like they need it right now and, and uh, various reasons like that. It's it. I've gotten enough feedback now where there's not much more insight, I feel like, to be gleaned from it. But I feel like just that engagement and that realness is worth keeping it going. And, you know, you do pick up some sales on the end of that, you know, every once in a while, someone's like, Oh man, I was, you know, I was out of town. They have just a really good excuse and you can, you have some couple other sales trickle in from it. Absolutely. I've gotten a couple people speaking of deliverability that didn't even realize that the course was offered and they're just responding to this email and they're like, what? And I, you know, I've, I've been getting a, a sale every few days from that email. Yep. And, uh, I had, I think since last time we talked, people had moved through my my ninety nine dollar payment plan thing. That's I think that's all new since last time. It is, yeah. It hadn't it, that hadn't been an option the last time we talked on episode eleven. Okay, so that went really well. Um, I had I think I had pro- probably close to fifth, fourteen or fifteen people I think signed up for that too. Okay, so that's a three month payment plan option for your course at a hundred dollars a month for three months, right? Yeah, or ninety seven. Actually, maybe it was a little less than that. I think it was maybe more around like twelve or something. Okay, so if I it didn't was tw- get into my stats this morning. I've been volunteering all morning, so I haven't had time to dig in. But um, it was pretty good, and that which makes me really happy that it seems to be that I'm picking up people that didn't buy the first time. You know, the first time I think I sold around 25 or something like that. So, to, I'm almost picking up half as much the second time around. It's pretty freaking cool. So, I'm really happy with that. I'd be really curious to see a split test on that because I am offering the payment plan right from the beginning. Yeah. So, I'm curious to know if I implemented mine kind of like you do where I open the cart at, you know, one-time payment and then close it and then a few days later open it back and say, hey, you know, I got a lot of complaints about the price, you know, here's the payment plan option. I wonder if that would work better or not. I don't know. The only way to test that is a split test it. Obviously, your way worked well for you. Obviously, my way has worked well for me, but I wonder, I mean, you can't you can't compare businesses like that. You've got to run the same test in the same business. Yep. And I and I kind of did it for for one reason, just simplicity of not having to create the chart, the graph with the different payment options. And like, I, it was just easier for me. It just felt easier for me to do it that way. But I do wonder the effectiveness, the effectiveness of it as well. I think it, I think it, you know, it's worth testing for sure. Definitely worth testing. So you made a, you know, about 1200 bucks from that, um, this past week and without doing anything, you're going to make another 1200 next month and then another 1200 the month after that. Now, speaking of payment plans, do you have a system set up to where if their payment fails, you know about it and they know about it. No, uh, and I had had that happen um, with one customer so far, and they I just noticed it in Stripe. I was in Stripe and I just noticed a payment failed. I looked into it and saw it was the second one of their um, payment plan, and I wrote them an email and didn't hear back from them at all. So I don't really know what to do. Well, I wanted I wanted to warn you about that because one weird thing about Stripe and. I've contacted their support and I don't understand why they do this and I'm sure they have a good reason, but they have zero system to notify anybody when a payment fails. Oh, yeah. That just does not exist on their system. But fortunately, there is a third-party service that I highly recommend and it's called Stunning. 
Okay. And the address is stunning.co, S-T-U-N-N-I-N-G dot C-O. And it integrates perfectly in Stripe. In fact, that service is only for Stripe. And I guess, you know, they're entrepreneurs and they saw this limitation and so they created a product. And when you're just getting started, it costs almost nothing. I think I pay $50 a month for it now, uh, but it's it has to do with how much money they're actually saving you as to how much money you have to pay them. And what they'll do is when somebody, you know, anytime you have a payment plan set up in Stripe, that information gets funneled right into Stunning. And then people get emails if, 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 your payment plan, it's its time for that to be charged in Stripe and it, and it fails, they'll immediately get an email from Stunning. Um, or it really, you know, if you word it right, it looks like it's from you, but Stunning initiates the email and it just says, hey, you know, I just tried to run your card and, um, and it failed, you know, go here to update your payment information, something like that. What Stunning also does, and it'll do that like up to three times. What Stunning also does is it will send an email to somebody when their credit card is about to expire. Oh, cool. So that's more of a proactive approach to that type of stuff. And my payment plans are six months, so I have to worry about that a little bit more than you. You shouldn't have to worry about it too much. But stunning saves me a good bit of money each month for sure, and it works. I don't think I've ever had somebody just completely default. I get failed payments all the time, but stunning takes care of all of it for me. I've, I think I maybe even wrote the guy twice. I mean... He, did, he used, it looks like in Stripe, he used a, a gift card. I think it said that even in the, like a Visa gift card as his payment. So that would seem like one where you can't really rebuild several times. Maybe he didn't understand he was making a three payment thing. I don't know, but um, I just wonder like, you know, he's not responding. What do you do? Do you just kick him out of the course or does he get to keep it or what? No, oh, you've got it. You've got to get, kick him out and, but you've got to warn him beforehand. You got to say, look, this is your last chance. If you don't respond within 24 hours and update your payment information, I'm going to have to delete your account. And if he's not responding to you, chances are that's going to be okay with him. And technically speaking, he owes you that money because your course is not a membership site. It's not a month-to-month deal. It is a one-time payment, but you're offering these payment plans as a convenience to make it a little more affordable. It is a debt that these people need to pay. And so in reality, you could sue him. Yeah. But it's, in my opinion, it's by far from being actually worth it. And you just stop it and delete them from the course and, you know, move on. Yeah. How are things been going on your end this week? Yeah, doing good, man. Everything's, well, for the most part. Now, I will tell you, I ruffled some feathers this week. Oh, wow. I've got about 15,000 piano teachers that are not too happy with me. Whoa, what happened? (laughs) Well, I noticed a lot of traffic, an uh, an abnormal amount of traffic to my first pre-launch video, which I've got these three videos I email out to people before my course is available just to show them how I'm different, give them some training, see if they're going to be a fit ahead of time. And my first video is called Eight Reasons Traditional Piano Lessons Don't Work. Mm -hmm. And a piano teacher must have signed up for my, you know, for my free workbook and then seeing that video because that video is not public anywhere. You, the only way you get it, get to it is through my email sequence. Yep. Well, I noticed, you know, I get about 25, 30 page views to that page every day. And I noticed, and, and the comments below that video are almost always positive, right? I noticed several very negative comments within a 24 hour period. And so I started looking into it. I looked at Google, Google Analytics and that page was getting like 500 views for a few days. 
I'm like, okay, what is going on here? And so I noticed a, a very negative um, Facebook message that I received from somebody. And so I used that as an opportunity to kind of ask her like where, cause she was talking about that video as well. So um, I, I kind of asked her where she saw it. And she mentioned that my video was posted in a Facebook group of 15,000 piano teachers. And she's like, as you can imagine, it didn't go over very well. <laughs> And so I thought that was really interesting. You know, I have I have mixed emotions about that. Like I totally understand they, where they're coming from, right? In any pos- profession, if somebody is kind of bashing you, like that's not cool. Like um, that's you take that personally. I totally totally get that. But at the same time, those people should have never seen that video. It's not for them. They're they're not the right audience. Like they're the opposite of the right audience. And what I tried to convey to, you know, the people, I I don't, I didn't delete any of the comments under the video. I'm responding to these Facebook messages. I'm trying to convey, look, I'm not trying to, you know, take business away from you. I do acknowledge that traditional piano lessons obviously work for a lot of people, but, but look, the people that they don't work for, I want to be here for them. The people that come to me are the people that wouldn't learn piano through any other, through any other way, you know? And, you know, they, they don't really want to hear it. They, they um, I guess I just put a bad taste in their mouth, but I'm okay with that, you know, because if, if you're not, um, if you're not ruffling some feathers, if you're not, if you're making everybody happy, you're probably doing something wrong. You know, that's, that's the way I look at it. But I just, the whole thing was very, at the end of the day, it was kind of humorous, honestly. So do you have a, like a mob outside your door when you go out there now? A bunch of crazed piano teachers banging down your door? It's so funny because they're, I mean, could you imagine like if you're going to have a group of people mad at you, is there anybody you'd rather have than like these old piano teachers, right? I mean, they're probably not violent at all. I mean, (laughs) nobody's used like profanity or anything and it's mostly been very civil. And they're just trying to get their point across. And I'm listening. I'm totally listening. And I'm trying to respond in a very thoughtful and polite way and try to get my point across as well. So it's been extremely civil and I'm appreciative of that as well. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, also, you know, I mentioned Bonjoro on the last episode where these, it's these quick little videos that I can send people, send to people when they sign up for my course. I'm still doing that. It's still going very well. Uh, I've had two or three people upgrade from my bottom end package to my middle package after they have seen that video. And I've gotten a lot of people responding and people say like, Hey Jacques, I'm totally blown away that you, that you sent me this, you know, I really appreciate it. And I really, you know, appreciate your course and everything like that. So what I've been doing is I've been sending those to the people that don't sign up via a phone call and that's going really well. Um, also, you know, I mentioned this service last week called trust pilot, which is a review company and they are going to allow me to have stars show up next to my domain name in searches, both in Google AdWords, you know, the ads that show up at the top as well as uh, organic search results. And I did officially sign up for that service. We kind of, we kind of did some negotiation. Um, we went back and forth and, and I feel like I got a, you know, a good deal, a good price for that service. And I feel like it's going to work out, but I haven't set anything up yet. You know, part of this is setting it up to where all of my new customers go through this path. And after a certain period of time, they get presented with the opportunity to leave a review on the system. So that's part of it. And then the other part of it is sending, sending this out to your old customers to try to, you know, get as, get a bunch of reviews up front because Google isn't going to show the star, the stars in the search results until I get 150 of those reviews. Cool. But I'm hesitant to just send a mass email out to 
you know, my 1000 past customers because it's just, it can be so impersonable. It's impersonal. So what I'm thinking, and you can tell me what you think about this, but, and it's going to be a lot more work, but I'm thinking about using Bonjoro to help this review process. So what I mean is collect this list. I have this list, roughly a thousand people and just start going down it and maybe do 10 a day or 15 a day or something like that and say, Hey, hey, Nate, you know, I, I know it's been about a year since you signed up. I just wanted to, to touch base with you. I don't know if you've logged in lately, but I do have a new version of my course available and it, you're welcome to use that. It's, it's available to you at no extra charge. And by the way, in within the next day or so, you're going to be getting an email asking for a view on this system called Trustpilot. And I'd really appreciate if you could take, you know, just a minute and respond to that review, um, something like that. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that would be helpful for sure. Cool. So that's that's my thoughts on the the whole trust pilot thing. So I'll probably have an update for that next week. Cool. And uh, before we start talking about the whole landing page and and web page optimization thing, uh, I wanted to briefly mention this. It's something I've been uh, looking into the past week, and I think it could be um, relevant to online courses, especially you know down the road in the future. But for the first time, I've really been looking into like cryptocurrencies and specifically Bitcoin. Okay. Do you have you looked into it much at all? I've listened to a couple of podcasts on it. It's fascinating stuff. And I, you know, for the first time, I've really looked into it and looked into the technology. And I don't want to spend much time at all on this, but I just wanted to mention it because, you know, there, there's no, there's really no reason we can't like start accepting Bitcoin as payment for these online courses. And then you're, you don't have to have, there's no third party involved, right? When we're accepting payment for online courses, it goes through a credit card company and a bank and whatever. There's a third party involved when we receive money. One of the biggest advantages of cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin is that it's part, it's one party is paying another party and there's literally nobody in the middle. And so your transaction fee is almost nothing. You know, we get charged like two or 3% from Stripe when we receive a payment. Yeah. And there's other advantages as well. And, and I don't really want to talk about it much, but for the first time, I, um, I understand the technology behind Bit, Bitcoin and, you know, the blockchain and, and all that. And it's fascinating stuff. And, and I just wanted to mention in case people, you know, have heard about it, but they haven't really looked into it, look into it because it's fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's, it is fascinating and it seems so volatile though. It seems like there's some manipulation going on in that market. It's, uh, it's crazy. I, I think it's definitely something that I'll maybe have to implement one day, but I don't know if my audience is ready for that right now. I don't feel like it's a lot of people that are into Bitcoin. Um, I, I think the next major innovation that I'll see on my end of online courses would be to do some experimentation with virtual reality. That could be very interesting. I haven't really thought much about that, you know, because people could put on something and take an online course and it's a more immersive process. That's very interesting, Nate. Oh yeah. I think that's where it's going. Well, we're, we're officially getting off into the weeds. So why don't we, we're getting weird. Yeah. We're getting weird. So let's, uh, let's jump back and let's, let's start talking about our main topic of the day, which is websites, landing pages, squeeze pages, optimizing all these pages. Uh, it's an important topic and it's very relevant to online courses, obviously. And it's something that's on the forefront of both your mind and my mind. And so let's start like this. I have been going through an online course the past week or two on uh, on this topic, landing page optimization and web website optimization. And 
It's an extremely well put together online course. I highly recommend it. It's, uh, I think it's simply called landing page optimization and it is on Udemy and it's by uh, I Isaac Rudansky. And it looks like it's actually called landing page design and best practices. Um, so if anybody's interested in this stuff, I highly recommend you go through that online course on Udemy, but I will give you some highlights in this podcast episode. And so one of my big takeaways from going through that course is the goal is clarity and simplicity. Those two things, clarity and simplicity. So you want things to be like just super, super, super clear on like what you're trying to get people to do and like what you offer and things like that. And you want actions and information and all that to be as simple as they can be, right? You want this to be easy, simple, clear. That's kind of my big overarching takeaway. And I, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense, but I hadn't really thought about it in those terms before. Like I've thought about, you know, I just assumed we wanted to provide like a lot of information, a lot of value, a lot of different things, but it's like, okay, at the end of the day, we need to make things clear and simple, all right? And so let's, um, you know, one way to kind of apply that or one way to think about your particular website is with something called the five-second test. And what that is, is within five seconds of viewing like your homepage, right, of your business, two questions, people people kind of need to be able to answer two questions to them for themselves, all right? What service does this company offer? That's the first question. What service does this company offer? And the second question is, and how is it going to help me? And if people can't properly answer those two questions within roughly five seconds of visiting your, your page, your website, then you might want to think about, you know, modifying it. And that's going to, if, if people can't answer those, it's going to be an overall, you know, better experience for your user. So let me, let me talk about how I applied this specifically. I'm going through and trying to, you know, redo and update my website based on this course. And it's not live yet or anything. It's going to be a few weeks before it would go live. But let me talk about, you know, I'm, I'm developing it in the background and let me talk about how I applied this five second test. So if you go to pianoin21days.com today, there is a dark and very blurry background. It's a little, the background is a little busy. There's a menu at the top and then the main, um, you know, main area, there's a picture of me and it says, hi, I'm Jacques. I help regular people learn to play modern songs on the piano in as little time as possible. Okay, so within five seconds, you, you should be able to see me and you should be able to read that and see the little button there. So when I looked at that and I asked myself the first question, you know, if I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of my potential customers, what service does this company offer? Well, what do you think, Nate? When you, if, you, if you saw that, what service do you think I would offer? Piano lessons, exactly. It's unclear because at the end of the day, it's an online course that I offer, right? So I think it's unclear exactly what I do offer. Now, piano lessons, I do offer piano lessons, but that's, I don't think is specific enough. And I don't think that I've done a good job of really prepping people and displaying to people that the online course is the main way that I'm going to teach you how to play piano. Okay. So that's the first kind of takeaway that I have for myself using the five second test. And then also, um, the second question is, how is it going to help me? So what do you think the answer to that question is on my website? 
It's going to help me do it faster, learn it faster. It's going to help you learn it fast. And it's also going to help you learn to play modern songs, right? Yeah. So I think I did a pretty good job of answering that question because people should should know that um, it's going to be more modern songs and and it's going to be a little bit of, you know, faster. So my focus, so I wanted to kind of redo this, uh, this statement a little bit and try to be clear on what the service is that I offer. And by the way, this is a really, this is, this sequence of words is a thing, you know, in marketing and whatnot. And I do recommend it to people think about this. And even if you don't use it on your website, just think about the answer to these questions. You want to, you want to think about, I help blank to blank by blank. So everybody, you know, if you have a business, you help somebody and you help them to do something and you help them to do that thing through something, right? Whatever it is that you offer. And so it's, it's a very helpful exercise to go and do on your business. And I, and I did that with my business and I thought it was so cool that I put it on the homepage of my website. So by using the five second question, five second test and answering these two questions, I was able to you know, take that philosophy of these, these words and just kind of tweak it a little bit. And what I came up with was, you know, the first line, I left it alone. I help regular people. I think that, you know, I really feel confident about that um, because I want to convey that it's not, you know, concert pianists, professional pianists, people aspiring to be those things. I want like super regular people, people that, um, you know, have day jobs and they have other hobbies and they don't want to make piano their life. So hopefully I'm conveying some of that information when I say regular people. So I left that alone. The next line, I, I tweaked it a little bit because, and the reason I tweaked it is just based on feedback I've gotten on Twitter, on email and various places. Like, okay, you say you teach modern songs, but like, what does that mean really? Right? Because modern is a very relative term. So, um, I tweaked that next and it's not based on the five second test necessarily, but, but just based on feedback I've gotten from people. And it's something, the second line is something I've been thinking about tweaking and now's a good opportunity. So instead of learn to play modern songs on the piano, I've changed it to, to learn songs they actually like. And that hopefully by saying that I'm implying, look, I'm not going to teach you this really old you know, Beethoven and Bach stuff, it, because if you are a regular person, then you probably are not interested in playing that stuff. You're probably interested in playing Adele and Elton John and things like that. And then the third line is where I really tweaked it to answer that question on what, do, what, what does my company offer? So instead of in as little time as possible, which really doesn't, um, doesn't answer that true question of like through what or by what, but my new version does answer that. And I say with the fastest online piano course. So I really wanted to put the, those words online piano course in there so that people knew that an online piano course is really what I was offering. But I also didn't want to lose that um, you know, efficiency aspect where it's you're going to learn quickly, fast. And so I put the fastest online piano course. So it reads... I help regular people to learn songs they actually like with the fastest online piano course. That's good. I like it. Awesome. Okay. So that's really it. That's how I applied the five second test. And so, you know, for the people out there listening, think about that. If you have a website already, try to apply that five second test to your particular website. Do you want to do it now for your website date? Sure. All right, let's do it. So I'm going to put myself in the shoes of somebody 
visiting your website. So the typical visitor of your website, and correct me if I'm wrong, they will have just come from YouTube. They, they were in, they're interested in microgreens, growing microgreens, and, and possibly even selling microgreens and making some money off of it. And they probably went to YouTube and they searched some, some term related to that and they found one of your videos and your, um, and then, then they got to your website, microgreensfarmer.com. And so I'm going to pull it up and I'm going to look and see if, and, and this is look without even scrolling or anything. All right. So it says download the free guide, get the fastest start possible growing and selling microgreens. So what service does this company offer? Okay. I think it's very clear that you're helping people grow and sell microgreens. I think that's very clear. I think that's good. Um, and then how is it going to help me? Well, it's going to help. It's going to help me because you're offering the fastest start possible. So man, I love it. You're, you're doing great. It's just that one headline that says, get the fastest start possible growing and selling microgreens. I thought you were going to say that I missed the service that I'm offering, which is, you know, training basically. Um, but you think I'm hitting, I am catching that. Huh? Well, it says download the free guide, get the fastest start possible growing and selling microgreens. So this page is all about getting people to download your free quick start guide, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and if that's your goal, which it is on this page, then you're doing a great job with it. With my website, the difference is with my website, when you get to the homepage, I'm not pitching the, my free offer on the homepage. I do have a very large Get Started Now button, which takes you to the page that pitches the free offer. But I want people, when they visit my homepage, to know at the end of the day, it's the online course that's going to, to help you. Yep. When people are coming here, they're coming from my video where I said, if you want to go get my free guide, go there and get the guide. So that's their whole, that's what they're already in that mindset of go there to get the guide. So I think it does make sense in this context. Yeah, absolutely. Now, don't, uh, don't get too excited because I do have some negative feedback for you as well, based <laughs> on kind of the next, uh, the next topic. And, and let's talk about this thing called, you know, the fold and being above the fold, right? Um, so I am on your homepage and I haven't scrolled down at all. And so the bottom of my computer screen is, is, the technical term for it is the fold. And everything that I see, you know, I see download the free guide, I see get the fastest start possible growing and selling microgreens, and then I see an image of this ebook. And I see nothing else. Everything else on this page is is below the fold, and these three things are above the fold. That's what it's called. And one one takeaway from the course is you want to have the main call to action above the fold. And that's pretty straightforward. If you look at like heat maps and the way people interact with web pages, by far the most traffic goes to the very, you know, the above the fold section. A lot of people don't even scroll down at all. And so you could get people, I mean, I don't know the exact psychology of it because theoretically, if they see this, they're going to want to do everything they can to get this quick start guide. But it goes back to that whole clarity and, and um, simplicity thing, right? I think you're being pretty clear here, but why not make things even simpler for people? And you could make things simpler by putting the opt-in information above the fold. And I had that on the split test. Don't tell me. Is, that, is the thing. <laughs> so I had the book I had the book off to the left and then the um, I had the still on the top, get the fastest start possible growing and selling microgreens. Then the book pushed over to the left and then I had the free guide will be sent to the email address and I had it all right there beside the book, all above the fold. And that one actually lost the split test by not a ton, 
but I ran it for a while. I don't know if you ever you ever saw it before. I probably stopped running it just like two months ago or something. Um, just because this one was converting a little better. Well, hey, that's the reason we test, and it sounds like maybe I need to get a refund for this course I took. I I did this one first, and I heard that same advice, and I created that split test page, and there was nothing else different about it. Same color, everything. That whole bar of the opt-in was just moved beside the book, and then it had the same bottom thing too. So it's weird. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why that is. It's doesn't really make sense to me either. I don't know if it was showing up funky on mobile. I don't know if I checked that and tested that and everything, but um, yeah, it was interesting. It wasn't a it wasn't a higher percentage, and but I ran a few thousand leads through there, and it was converting a little higher. You know, that's that's really interesting, and and proves why we need to test this stuff as opposed to just blindly following it. But I would be willing to bet that. There was something else going on as to the reason that it converted higher as opposed to being above the fold or not being above the fold. And so, for example, your opt-in, if you put it beside the, the ebook, then it was likely more of a, a vertical opt-in than a horizontal opt-in. Yeah. Right? It was. And yep. maybe that's that's why it converted better is because people, you know, within, within your site, people like the horizontal opt-in better than the vertical. So, you could try... You know, making the the ebook image a little smaller. That way, the horizontal bar is a little higher. You could put the ebook to the side of your headline, or something like that. I mean, there's other things you can try. You just did one one split test. Oh yeah, and I'm glad you did. But I don't think that really proves that below the fold is better for your business. Yeah, I, I agree. And I would I would like to do more split testing, but I'm my number of leads I'm generating every day is so small now that it's almost like a risk to do a split test because it would take so long to see what the winner was, you know? Yeah. And I could be losing people all on the way of doing that. Um and I think when when we first started working together, you looked at my stats on my opt-ins and said, you know, that's it's crushing it. It's really high. And uh, I need to be focusing on other stuff right now. And I think I agreed with you and said, I, yeah, I know. I've, I've been told that by other people too and I, that I need to be focusing on other stuff right now. But um, yeah, I agree with you. There's lots, plenty of testing. This is like my second iteration that I ever did. Absolutely. And I agree with you on pretty much everything you just said. It's it's easier to run a split test when you have more people, more traffic. And one big mistake people make when they're running split testing running split tests is to declare a winner too soon. You really want to have a very large group of people to go through it to really have some accurate results. So maybe maybe let's, you know, do some more split testing and editing, tweaking of this. Once you have AdWords up and you're getting more traffic and things like that. I'm not saying you need to go ahead and do this right now. I don't think that's the highest priority in your business right now. Yep. All right. So next, uh, while we're on this topic, let's talk about one-step opt-ins versus two-step opt-ins. Because on your website, you you do a one-step and I, I do a two-step. And what that is, is, for example, on your website, you've got a field for first name and a field for an email address and then a button that says get access now. On my website, when you're on the landing page for my ebook, it just, it, there's no field for an email address or anything like that. It just says, you know, download now or something like that. And once you click download now, then there's a pop-up that comes up that asks for the name and email address. So both are viable. There is research that suggests that in general, a two-step opt-in converts 
better. And it's because of the whole yes ladder thing. It's easier for people to give you a really, really small yes by clicking, for example, download now. And then once they've, they've already committed slightly by clicking that button, then they have to put in their email address. That makes sense. Another thing that's worth testing, it's probably not going to move the needle very much, but you know, I, I've read that research and I haven't done much testing on it, but I was good with it. And the two-step opt-in seems to be working really well. And, uh, and I like it and, you know, it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. These are great tips for someone starting from scratch. Like if I was starting from scratch, I would probably take all the notes on this and do all this stuff. But at this point with the, the stuff I have, you know, other stuff I have to do, it's a low priority, but it's perfect for people who are just getting started or people that already have like all their products they want to build out and everything. And they're now they're looking to really optimize. That's huge. I think that's going to be a huge way for businesses to just get ahead over the next couple decades is just tweaking and optimizing. Yep. I agree completely. If somebody's just starting out, they don't have anything yet. This, you know, take these things. This would be a great place to start. Start with what in general works best and then you can tweak from there. So very similarly, let's talk about taking um, just an email address versus additional information. For example, a first name. So there's no doubt about it. The more information you ask for, the less likely it is somebody is going to submit that information. So at a bare minimum, you are going to need somebody's email address. I mean, that's, that's how we're doing this email marketing is you get their email address. So you could simply ask for an email address because we're saying, Hey, send me your email address and I will, I will email you this, this ebook. And so it's easy for people to understand why they need your email address because you're saying that I'm going to email this to you. And then you've got their email and you can market to them. The next most common thing that people ask for, and you ask for it and I ask for it is a first name. I acknowledge that I'm going to get slightly less email opt-ins by asking for the first name. That's, that's a fact. And that, and I have tested that and I've gone through a period where I only asked for email addresses, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm all about being real, all about being personal. And I'd like to address people in emails via their first name. And so that is, uh, that's not negotiable, negotiable for me. I want to, I want your first name. Yep. And I think we both agree there's that most likely you're it's probably still getting better, con, maybe getting better conversions because you do have that personalization. People love that. Yeah. You get potentially better conversions on the back end, right? Maybe, maybe you get slightly less people opting in, but if you're more personal about it in your emails and everything, you might have more conversions on the back end, which is the goal anyway. Yep. Cool. So I think we're on the same page there, but I don't recommend asking for any more information than that. I've seen opt-in pages where people are also asking for phone numbers or last names, or those are going to significantly reduce the uh, the opt-in rate. You know. Yeah, one thing I, I have seen people, uh, some mark smart marketers that I've followed do lately that I think might be a good idea is instead of having an opt-in. They actually have a, a one question survey um, and that and then that takes them to the opt in. So that's another way to capture another piece of information where people like kind of like to take a little survey. It's like kind of a fun little thing for them to do. And and then they can base their their funnel on they can segment their funnel right off the bat into things. People are d- different things people are interested in. Like mine can be. You know, have you, do you already have a farm? Yes or no? And if someone says yes and someone says no, I know one's a complete beginner and one is adding microgreens to their selection and I can create two separate funnels. So that's, 
that's one instance where I think actually doing this could be a really valuable thing. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. That I've seen that done very effectively and also like quizzes too. And, and you go through it and you, and then at the end it's like, okay, email me the results. And so you have to provide your email. You know, you can get more information from them after they submit that as well. Yes. You can take them through a survey then. You can ask for their phone number then. Say, oh, hey, actually, I also wanted to text you a link to this new thing, blah, blah, blah. You know, do you want me to send that to you? Put in your phone number. So that's also an option. Yeah, and I think that really helps best when you have a a wide range of like products and, and courses to offer. You know, for me, I just have my one course basically. And so... I don't have a, a real great reason to do those things. But if I had a course, like if, if I one of mine was like learn jazz piano in 21 days, and then I had learn classical piano in 21 days, then I might want to get some more information and do some more targeted marketing, uh, depending on people's interests and things like that. Yeah. Okay. So next topic would be, and this was a, this was a big one in the course, is really just being super clear on your call to action or calls to action, right? So on every single page, whether you're talking about a full website, you're talking about just a single landing page, on every page, you want somebody to do something, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to have any page anywhere that doesn't have some sort of call to action. And a call to action is usually like a button or something. In our case, most of our calls to action will be to actually to actually sign up for the, you know, the do the email opt-in, get the free offer or whatever. In most cases, some businesses, the call to action is to like, you know, place a phone call to call the company or, or book a call with somebody or um, there, there's a variety of different potential calls to action. But whatever it is for, you know, like um, uh, software on the Internet, you know, the call to action may be start your free trial, something like that. You want to be abundantly clear about your call to action and you want to make it as simple as possible as well. So when I was kind of redoing my homepage... I have my, you know, my, my, hi, I'm Jacques with the, I help regular people thing. And then I had a little, you know, get started now button and the button was fairly small and it also didn't take you to my workbook page. It took you to another page on my website called piano 101, which was just more information about the way that I teach piano, the different ways you could learn how to play piano. And, you know, I was thinking about it in the context of this call to action and trying to be as clear as possible. And um, and so after somebody goes to my homepage and they say, and they read this, I help regular people um, to learn songs they actually like with the fastest online piano course. And they're reading that they're interested and they click get started here. I need to take them to my workbook page. I mean, if they if they're interested and they actually click that button, they're they're going to be ready for that workbook, and they can always visit my Beyond a One on One page later. So I'm taking them there. I made that button bigger, and what I've also done is put a big, bold button at the top right of every page that says "Try It Free." So, for example, on my homepage, you've got the big red button. Um, That's the main call to action button. But then you've also got that blue button at the top right that says try it free. They both are going to take you to the exact same page. Is that live live on your demo page now? Yeah, on my demo page, I don't want to give people the address for that because I'm not ready for that to be public. But if you look at my demo page that I shared with you, you can see that red button, that the main red button, and then you can also see the top right, the try it free button. 
So what that try free button is going to do is, you know, I doubt a lot of people on the homepage click that because the because of the big red get started now button. But if you are on my piano in 21, uh, my piano 101 page, my about page, okay, I need to have a very strong call to action. And I'm going to have a strong call to action at the bottom of those pages. But if you're just at the top, I need this, I need a strong call to action as well. So I like having that big, nice try it free button at the top right. Yep. That looks pretty good. Pretty good? Just pretty good? No, it looks really good, actually. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So those are some simple things to optimize like a landing page. Next, let's, let's talk about, you know, kind of the differences between a full-blown website versus a landing page. And you could think of a website as just a collection of landing pages if you wanted to, to an extent. Typically, landing pages don't have much navigation. Um, there's not much you can do on them besides one call to action type thing. And that's the way that your entire website is set up right now. It's basically one landing page. And that's the way that my, you know, that's the way Piano in 21 Days was set up for a very long time. And I had a lot of success with that. But, and I mentioned this before, there, there came a point where I wanted, you know, I wanted to ask myself, is Piano in 21 Days simply a online course or is it a business, Right. And to me, it was more of a business. This is what I do. This is how I make a living. It's a business. And even if somebody doesn't want to sign up for my online course, and especially if they don't want to sign up for it today, then I still want to be a viable resource for those people. And so I want to have a place where I can provide a lot of additional information about myself, about my business, some additional training and things like that. And I just, I wanted to seem like a real business and everything like that too. So, um, I was able to, you know, answer those questions for myself about, you know, probably 10 months ago. And I decided to build a full website with a homepage and about page and, uh, um, and things like that. And so that's what I did. And, um, I like it. And that's, that's really the reason I did it. And now I'm thinking about, you know, I'm, I'm redoing that website based on this course that I went through. Um, but that's, that's my thoughts on the difference between a full website and just a landing page when you're trying to build a site for your online course. Yeah. And it seems to play into if you get to the point where you start running ads, uh, I don't think Google will be as happy sending someone to a page that doesn't have any sort of navigation, navigational structure. Yeah, that's the other thing too. I mean, that's about the time frame when I was thinking about getting into AdWords and Facebook ads and, and stuff like that. And then it also plays into SEO too. I mean, the more pages you have, then the better Google likes that for organic search as well. And also you have the more more potential pages to rank as well. So, you know, I've got this, the most popular page on my website is this piano 101 page. And that is like the first result in Google when people type in piano 101. And it's also getting higher and higher up there for when people type in how to play piano, which is a huge search term. Yeah. And I wouldn't be ranking for those terms, at least not nearly as well if I didn't have that page, you know? Yeah. Cool. So you just have your landing page now, and I'm, I'm, my understanding is you're, you're kind of working on you know, building out some more of a full website. It's pretty much, I think it's pretty much done and ready to go. I, I decided I'm going to add one more page, a testimonials page, um, just because I have a lot of people that are like, or not a lot of people, but I had several people that are like, this is a, is this a scam? Like, uh, there's no way people are buying this. There's no way this works, blah, blah, blah. People like replied to my, why didn't you buy this thing? And yeah, I could send them to that testimonial page and be like, Hey, you know, you don't have to take my, you don't have to take my word from it. 
they like, I feel like you're trying to sell, sell, sell me. I'd be like, yeah, I am trying to sell you because it's how I help people the best, you know, check out what these other people had to say. I mean, don't take it from me. So I'm going to do, I'm going to add that one more page and then I'll have about four pages plus the landing page. Yeah. And that's another great reason to have a full website is to come across as less scammy. And, you know, I think the, my business and my course sound a little more scammy than yours does. I think yours is a little more like professional sounding and real sounding than mine, Piano in 21 Days. Sounds scammy and I acknowledge that. And so I want to do everything I can to um, break through that barrier. And so, um, and then having pages like that, you know, especially a testimonials page that you can send to people is great. You know, people, I get comments every now and then on Facebook, especially people talk, say, hey, this is a scam. Like, hey, no way this works for anybody. Like, this guy's just trying to, you know, scam people. Well, I can point them to my testimonial page where I've got 15 videos sitting there, people playing piano that learned with my method. And yeah. so shut up about it. Yeah. All right. So that's, you know, that's my thoughts on landing pages, websites, and and having gone through this course as well. And hopefully I'll have a new version of piano in 21 days.com launching here in the next few weeks, which I'm really excited about. And uh, any, any other thoughts about this topic, Nate? Uh, what are some of the like behind the scenes things you have going on in your website? Um, I, I noticed you had a pop up that was saying that people had opted into your website. I think it was called Proof, maybe. Yeah. Are there any other little things like that you have running on the back end that kind of optimize things? Yeah, cool. That's that's a good question, Nate. So yeah, something called Proof is really neat, and what it does is it's super simple to set up. So I've got that running on just my workbook opt in page, and what it does is it just it grabs the information when people opt in and um and and it saves it so that the next time somebody visits that page it'll say you know Nate signed up 5 minutes ago and it's just some social proof and um and it, it, you know I haven't split tested it but it it didn't seem like it would hurt and so I ran with it and I just love the way it looks. And the reason that I signed up for it is because I noticed it on another website and it was one of the factors that convinced me to, to kind of sign up. And I really like that. So that's called proof. Um, I'm also using a new feature inside of Active Campaign, which is really, really cool. That's called site messaging. And what that does is it allows me to, when somebody is going through the, the right place in the funnel, for example, when the course is launched and it's available, I can send a little, little message at the bottom right on any page of my website that says, hey, first name. So, hey, Nate, um, it's Jacques. I just want to make sure you're aware the course is now available with a little blurb. That's really cool. Okay. So, if they're if, so if they're viewing like your video for and beyond, if they're, if they're they are during the launch open cart period, it'll say that? Only if they're during the open launch period. And then it will say that on every single page of my entire website. So, for example, if somebody's like, not getting my emails for some reason, but they're back at my website and they're visiting my Piano 101 page or they're looking at a video or something, they'll get that pop-up at the right time. I've tested it and it works really cool that, hey, enrollment is open. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's something I'm doing. That's a fee- that's a new feature inside of Active Campaign. And, you know, I've also got Google Tag Manager running, which is a really cool way to um, not have to, you know, you've got Facebook pixels and you've got Google analytics code and you've got all these different little snippets of code that need to run on your website. If you want to use their services, yep. um, Google AdWords and everybody asks you to install this little bit of code on your website. 
instead of having to do that every time there's a new service, all you have to do is use something called Google Tag Manager and you put their code on your website one time and it's there forever. And then anytime you need to add new snippets of code, you just log into Google Tag Manager and add it there. Really, really cool. So I've got that running um, absolutely. And I've got like eight or 10 different services that I've got um, their, their code snippet plugged into Google Tag Manager that's running as well. Cool. And then you also have a some links at the bottom. Do you want to tell us about those real quick? Yeah, good good question. So, um, you know, I have an online course, so I need people, I need to have a way for people to log in to the online course in case people didn't bookmark the the address, which is basically like member.piano21days.com. And so I want to have you know, paid members, I want them to be able to access the online course if they just go to piano21days.com. But I don't want that to be like a huge call to action box at the top right either, right? I don't want that to distract people that are not members. So I put that down at the bottom in the footer and it just says member login. So that's what that is. And then next I have privacy policy. And what that is, is, and that's essential for a website, even if it's just a landing page, you've got to talk about, um, you've got to talk about like, what information you're collecting from people. You've got to talk about the cookies. You've got to talk about, you know, that you're collecting their email address and what you're going to do with that email address and what you're not going to do with that email address. That's all the things that you'd put in a privacy policy. Now, you don't need to just write all this from scratch. There are cert- there are privacy policy generators out there and that's how I generated mine. It's really not hard. I, I think it may even cost a few dollars. I don't know that it's free or there may be different levels. But that's, that's how you generate a privacy policy and you do need it. And the same exact thing applies to the terms of use page, which I have. So that's just like terms and conditions, you know, about purchases and cancellations and, um, you know, things like that. And the, the same, you know, the same tools exist for generating that as well on the internet. So just search for a term, you know, terms and conditions or a terms of use generator. And finally, I have something called the results disclaimer. And that's, I don't know that that's 100% necessary, but especially for just coming across less scammy, you know, I've got this piano in 21 days. I just really wanted to have that and make it very clear that like, look, I'm not guaranteeing that you're going to learn in 21 days. I'm not guaranteeing anything. I've got this course. It's helped people. You know, results do vary and you've got to actually apply it. You've got to be motivated and the results, whatever results that you get from this course and from this website are completely and totally up to you. Cool. Do you have a a software in the background that is tracking like people's sessions when they land on there? I've heard there's, there's that software that you can actually see like where people go, what actions they take and hot maps and stuff like that. Yes, totally. So a really, really cool service. And I think what you're talking about is called Hotjar, hotjar hotjar.com. Hotjar.com is so cool. So you can actually see exact mouse movements and mouse clicks from your visitors as they go through your funnel and your web pages and things like that. It's so cool. I signed up for it about a year ago and you can see every session. Like it's just the coolest thing. Is it pay? It's a paid service? Yeah, it's a paid service, but I don't think it's very expensive. Maybe $20 a month, something like that. And they may even have, they have a free version actually. And I think it, I think it depends on how many, how much traffic you get. Yeah. Okay. So you can definitely start with the free version and sign up for that. The reason I don't use Hotjar anymore is because I feel like I've collected a lot of the data that I wanted to see. Yeah. 
And I also noticed that the code for Hotjar, it just started c conflicting with other code and started oh, okay. slowing. It started slowing my site down a little bit. And, and I know they've been growing massively because it's such a cool service and maybe they've improved some of those things. And maybe I look, need to look back into it, but I had to determine, okay, is this really getting me any new information that I didn't already have versus, um, costing me anything in terms of page load speed or anything like that? And also I started getting so much traffic to my website that it was hard to analyze the data. Like I get, you know, a thousand sessions on my website a day. Like how do I, um, I'm not going to look at, at that many recordings of what people are doing on my website. And if I'm just scanning and picking a couple, is that really giving me any valuable information? But if you're, you know, in your position, um, where you're getting just, you know, you're getting a handful of people visiting your website a day and you've never used something like Hotjar. It's really cool to see how people are interacting on your website. And another thing that it does for you is that it allows you to see how people interact on desktop, yeah. how people interact on tablets, how people interact on your on phones. And maybe you notice people are struggling to actually opt in on a phone and you optimize your page a little better for mobile or something like that. Cool. Uh, another thing I've been thinking about, um, I, I do eventually want to like launch up more of a blog part with some written content on there. And I imagine at that point I could be getting little spikes of traffic here and there. And I, so I'm cu curious about like website speed, page load speed and hosting. Cause I, I just host mine through GoDaddy, GoDaddy hosting right now. I host several websites on the same like hosting account. Uh, so I wonder what you do for that. Yeah, that's another great question, Nate. I appreciate it. So I think ClickFunnels does a decent job. Uh, if you're ha if you have pages that are hosted on ClickFunnels, they do a de decent job of optimizing for things like that. You know, page load speed. Page load speed is important in terms of like SEO. If your page is loading in ten seconds, Google doesn't like that, and it's not going to, you know, it's not going to boost your page very much if it notices that, and it does notice things like that. That's one of the things you need to do if you're trying to improve your SEO is improve how quickly things load on your page and how quickly the page loads overall. So the, the biggest like 80, 20 thing you can do to a website in terms of, okay, what's the, what's a small thing I can do to make the biggest impact is you can install some, uh, a plugin or if it's WordPress, we're talking about, you can install a plugin called WP rocket. WP Rocket. And that's a really popular plugin that people use. I'm using it now. It greatly improved the page load speed of my website. I didn't do much beyond setting up uh, that plugin. You can, they have instructions on, on their website on how to use it, best use it and set things up. And so if you're looking for something like that, that's what I recommend WP rocket. Okay. Now I feel like you've got all kinds of other secrets you're hiding from us. Cause I keep asking these questions and now you're coming out with proof and hot jar and WP rocket. Like what else do you got hiding under the curtain there? You know, Nate, that's the reason I'm starting, you know, I wanted to start this podcast and start this, uh, you know, new business, the online course guys, because I have inadvertently gained all of this new knowledge that I never had before because I've tried like heck to make my online course successful. Yeah. And so I've learned all this information and I'm a big fan of sharing, you know, <laughs> sharing this type of stuff. And I don't think that a, a, a simple online piano teacher should be have all this knowledge without sharing it, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm sharing through Piano in 21 Days, I'm sharing everything I know about the piano, which let's be honest, isn't that much, but I, I collected all this information. And that's one of the reasons I tried, you know, when I quit my job, I was trying to do maybe a little bit of 
of digital marketing consulting as well. I thought maybe that would be a good supplement to income. And fortunately, Piano in 21 Days really took off once I quit my job and I didn't really have to focus on that. But I do have a lot of knowledge about these tools and SEO and and advertising PPC and all these little tricks and things like that. And that's, you know, I'm trying to share that. I'm not, I'm not holding anything back. Trust me. So you're saying people have to pay you for that. Is that what you're saying? That that's, they have to buy your course to get the rest of the secrets. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, as far as I know, this podcast is free, Nate. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. So there's a lot of information out there that I'm trying to share, you know, through this podcast specifically right now, I'm sharing a lot of information. You know, we're sharing a lot of information. You've got a lot of tricks up your sleeve too. And so we're sharing with this podcast. I've got some stuff on the online course as well. That's free. Um, I don't have any way for you to pay me money yet unless you want to, unless you want me to be your coach or consult with you. You know, obviously that's an option. That's, that's how we got started. Nate, I've got some other people that are um that that I'm working with just kind of coaching them with the online course process. But one day there'll be a there'll be an online course on how to make an online course and that probably won't be free. Um but I do have this quick start guide on my website now and if you're if you're enjoying this podcast, uh the people out there are enjoying this podcast, listening to this and you you um you want some more information, that's that's the next thing I've got to offer in this uh in this sequence. So I, you know, I think that about does it for, for this podcast episode. And I think you were trying to help me transition out of it, Nate, and I appreciate that. So if anybody wants to, um, grab a copy of that quick start guide, the eight steps to, to taking your hobby or passion and turning it into your own online course, hopefully profitable online course, you can go grab that quick start guide at the online course guy.com. Awesome. Or hire Jacques to personally <laughs> do it. Cause it's the best money I've spent for my business. I'm not just saying that randomly. It really is. You're too kind. You're too kind. ClickFunnels is ClickFunnels is a pretty dang good value too, I think. Yeah, ClickFunnels is one of my favorite pieces of software too. But yeah, so that'll that'll do it for this episode, Nate. I appreciate awesome. the kind words. I appreciate you joining me for this podcast once again. And uh, we will be back next week. Sounds good. We'll see you next week. See ya.